Hey, what's up, everyone? Good to have you here tonight. So glad you can make it out. We're going to be in our Bibles. So if you have a Bible, please open up to John chapter 8. We're going to be in John chapter 8 tonight. Oh, quick announcement. Those of you who don't come on Sundays or ever hear uh, the announcements, uh, we're having an outreach for Halloween. Um, on Halloween, the 31st, that's on a Tuesday, and it starts at, what time does it start? 6.30. Set up at 3 if you want to come and help, but yeah, it'll be at 6.30. I think so, 5.30, not 6.30. Where's Pastor Steve? Just come on Saturday if you guys want to help set up breakdown, bro. We need help. <laughs> you guys can all come through. And if you guys have an extra barbecue, we accept that too. We need barbecues, two of them. So just throwing, throwing that one out there. Who's speak? Who's talking? Oh, yeah. I said that. I didn't say that. When did I say? I said Saturday? Are you sure? I must. Are you sure? Okay. I must be nervous. Huh? I must be nervous. Pass, what time does the Halloween outreach start? There you go. You got now you got it. You heard it from the man. Five o'clock. We're setting up at three if you guys want to help, and we need two extra barbecues if possible. I mean if the Lord put it on your heart. So and more candy. So we're going to be in John chapter 8. Uh, I don't think this is going to be too long of a message. Attention span, maybe 20 minutes. But we're going to try to get as much as we can. Um, and if you guys can just follow along, I just need your attention for this amount of time. And maybe we'll, Austin will come up and we'll just have a time of prayer. And we'll just have a time. Hopefully the spirit moves. I'm not trying to, if he moves, he moves. So uh, we're going to start in John chapter 8. I'm going to read 1 through 11, but we're going to go back and read that again. So um, it starts, amen? Are you guys there? Okay. Verse 1 says this, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people were coming to him. And he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, and having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now in the law of Moses, now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? They were saying this, testing him, so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger, wrote on the ground. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones, and he was left alone. And the woman, where she was, in the center of the court, or where she was in the center of the court. Verse 10, straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not commit, condemn you either. Go from now. Go from now on and sin no more. Excuse me. Father, we thank you for your word. 
and we thank you for your truth. God, tonight I pray that you would speak to all of us in a very powerful and very unique, very intimate way. I pray that this will not just be words, Lord God, but that we would take this as the very word of God speaking to us. And so help us to appreciate this word as it brings to us life. I pray that your spirit would work with the word of God and do the work of God within us. Father, tonight I pray that you would move in and through our hearts. And I ask, Lord, that you would just please show up. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, if you were here last week, lots of people today. Praise the Lord. Uh, if you were here last week, uh, we started with the cost of discipleship. Anybody remember that? Kind of ended on the promise of the Holy Spirit. If you look at John chapter 7 in your Bibles, it says in John chapter 7, verse 39, that those who believed in Jesus, all right, so those who believed in Jesus were to receive the Spirit of God. And so what happened was the invitation was given to everyone. On this day, at the last day of the feast, as Jesus himself would cry out, if anyone is thirsty, that word in the Greek anyone means anyone, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Jesus said, he who believes in me, Jesus, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And so this really spoke to my heart this week as I was preparing for this message. And the first thing I want to address is that people go through life, all of us, people will go through life drinking from many different wells. In fact, most of us here came to Jesus because the water we've been drinking or the wells we've been drinking from wasn't what it was cut out to be. It wasn't. But if you're like me, I don't give up too easily. Right? Like I would just go from well to well to well to well thinking it'll be different this time. Right? Like maybe I'll try this job. Maybe I'll stop this habit. Start eating right again. Get out of this relationship. Go into that one. Stop this drug, try that drug. And nothing ever seemed to work. Nothing. Nothing ever seemed to satisfy at all. I just kept finding myself back in the same place again and again and again and again. You know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is, that, is in Ecclesiastes, and it says that God has put eternity into the heart of men. You ever heard that saying, you have a God-shaped hole in your heart? Anybody? Your VBS leaders never tell you that? Like, you have a God-shaped hole in your heart. Well, it's true. <laughs> it's true. A lot of this stuff, if not most of this stuff we pursue in life, have been our way of trying to fill that void. And the truth is, a lot of that stuff, if not most of that stuff, were never meant to. They were never meant to fill that space. Maybe for a moment, but it never lasts. You see, and that's my point. Before we met Jesus, we hedged all of our bets on people, places, and things. That's where we believed life would be found. We hedged all of our bets down here. Going from relationship to relationship, from this place to that place, trying this thing to that thing, and eventually, like everything else, it always runs out of steam all the time. Always. And so my question for you tonight is this. Where are you still trying to find life? 
where are you still trying to seek life? You see, Jesus is standing in the midst of the crowd, and he's saying to everyone who's listening, if you are thirsty, come to me and drink. That's what he's saying. He didn't say, come to me so I can take you to some place that we're going to meet some guy and he has the water. That's not what he said. No, Jesus is saying, I am the place and I am the water. And if you are not drinking of me and only me, he's saying, you will find yourself thirsting again. And again. And again. And again. Then he goes on to say that it's those who believe in me. Out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Man, that sounds like a good deal. You see, this word, uh, this word believe that Jesus uses means to be persuaded. It means to be convinced, that we are convinced that Jesus is who he says he is, but that's not all. It also means that we are convinced, we are persuaded that Jesus means what he says he means. And if he is saying that there is no other water that can give you life except this one, then the question is, will we continue to drink from wells that always run dry? Will we deliberately choose to drink from places that we know that doesn't fill our thirst? You see, in John chapter 4 is where Jesus first brings up this truth about living water. So I had to go back. He meets with a woman who is buried in shame and so much guilt, so much shame, so much it's just like, it's heavy. And it's because of her lifestyle. You see, Jesus was not there so that he can see what was going on in her life. He already knows. Like, he knows what's going on, guys. Jesus was there so that she could see what was going on in her life. From having five different husbands, and it says the one that she's sleeping with right now isn't her husband. This story takes place at a drinking well as Jesus would begin to draw out the mess within her life. He begins to tell her that if you only knew who I truly was, well, first he asks her for a drink, but then he goes on to say that if you only knew who I truly was, you would have asked me for a drink. And the water that you would receive from me would be a different kind of water. It would have been living water. And at this point, I can just picture it now. She would look at Jesus, and then she would look at the well, and she would think, aha, I got it. There must be a different kind of water here. Either it's in this well or it's another well down the street. We know this because her response to Jesus was, but sir, you don't even have a bucket to pull up any water. Don't you know that this well runs deep? How then will you get this living water? You know, oftentimes people come to Jesus thinking that their solution to life, to their life, is to just have more of what they already have. I'm going to say that one more time. People will often come to Jesus thinking that the solution to their life is to just have more of what they already have. If I just get this, then I'll be content. I said it all the time. If I just have her, then my life will be complete. <laughs> Jesus is saying, I'm not here to give you more of anything. I'm here to give you something that you've never had. You see, at the end of this conversation, Jesus gets to the heart of the issue, which is the issues of the heart. Going from relationship to relationship, from this partner to that partner, he sees that her life is broken. He sees that her life is broken, and guess what? He meets her in the mess. He meets her right there. And Jesus is saying to her, it's not another well. 
It's not another spring that gives forth water. It's not another husband. Jesus is saying it's me. What you've been looking for is me. The living water that I've been talking about is me. And so if you're a believer in Jesus tonight, then what you get from believing in Jesus is not a better life. You get life itself. He didn't promise you a better life. He promised you life itself. Jesus did not come to give you a life that you've been living all along. He didn't come to give you more of what you already have. He came to give you a new one. One that has very little to do with this kingdom here in this world and everything to do with his kingdom. This means despite what happens to you here, this means despite your circumstances, if you get sick, if this happens or something happens to this person, you are still standing. Why? Because you ain't hedging your bets here anymore. You're not hedging your bets down here anymore. Nothing brings you life. He said, I'm the life. That's what's going to get you through today. That's what's going to get you through tomorrow. Jesus is saying, you want rivers of living water? Gosh, like you want explosions of eternal life coming out of you like Uncle Lawrence every week? Right? He's like, Hallelujah. Pastor Steve said it always rubs off on him. You ever get that, right? Like, I just want to talk to that guy, man. I love him. Like, you want that? He said, it's by my spirit. He said, it's by my spirit. That's the whole point of John chapter 4. Jesus tells this woman that people won't start pilgrimaging or travel from this mountain or onto Jerusalem to worship. He's saying, you ain't going to go to God. God is going to come to you. That's the whole point. Paul says the same thing in 1 Corinthians 13. Don't you know that your bodies are a temple and the spirit lives within you? Like this ain't the church. You're the church. This is Kilauea Theater. I don't pray for Kilauea Theater to be empowered. I pray for you. I pray for you to be empowered. I pray for you to be spirit-filled. The spirit of God lives inside of you guys. You're the temple. You're the building. And I just want to encourage us to understand one thing tonight. If you get anything out of this, just one thing. If Jesus is the living water, hear me close. If Jesus is the living water and there is no other water that gives life, he said it, there is no other water that gives life, then to have Jesus and to have nothing else is to have everything. To have Jesus in our lives and to have nothing else is to have everything. This is what David says in Psalm 16. My inheritance is not my position. It's not, me, it's not about me being king. It's not about the portion of land you've given me. You're my portion. That's what he says. You're my inheritance. I wouldn't have any of this stuff if it wasn't for you. He says, you've shown me the pathway to life. In your presence, you fill me with joy. Not this stuff. Even Momo, you guys know Momo? Moses felt the same way. Right? God said, you go ahead. You go ahead. Those are some wicked people you're with, and I'm going to destroy you if I go. He said, you go ahead of me. You go to the promised land. Moses said, I ain't going if you're not coming. Read Exodus 33. Exodus 33. Exodus 33. If you ain't coming, I ain't going. And so we both have Davy and Momo testifying that there is nothing more important in this life than the presence of God. There is nothing more important in this life than him. And that's who's with you. Amen? Amen. All right, let's 
go through this. John 8. <laughs> so um, we're going to start in John chapter 7. Um, and so last week, we fi- or if you just look to John chapter 7, uh, we finished off in verse 39. <clears throat> from, vor- uh, from verse 40 to 52, uh, they're doing the same thing. They're dialoguing and they continue to divide over the identity of Jesus. And so last week's message was, who do you believe Jesus to be in your life? And I think that's something that Pastor Steve was talking about. That was Pastor Steve's message on Sunday, man. And it's convicting. And it's a real question that we have to ask ourselves. Who is Jesus Christ into your, in your life? If he's just a great teacher, if that's all you see him as, or he's just a moral leader, then what separates him, as I said last week, from any great teacher or any moral leader that inspires you in this life from time to time? But if he is God, which he claims to be, then we are all all called to accept him for all that he is, or we don't. We accept him for all that he is or we don't. There is no picking and choosing what we like and don't like. If that's the case, then as Pastor Steve said, then we might be serving a different Jesus. I would like to use that Tim Keller quote, but I think I say it every week. (laughs) I'm going to say it. Tim Keller said, what did he say? (laughs) Right here. If your God never disagrees with you, you might be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. All right, that's it. Love Tim Keller. He's my dead mentor. And Pastor Steve is my mentor, but he's my dead one. And so this portion of scripture now deals with the religious rulers. First, we're dealing with the crowd. We were dealing with the religious rulers, but it's just mostly them. And really what they're trying to do is just trying to get rid of Jesus. They are doing everything in their power to discredit him, as we've seen last week, right? Like they said it, your teachings are amazing. They were in shock, like this is who speaks like this, uh, but they were trying to discredit him because they didn't, he didn't have credentials. He didn't attend Rabbi University, as they said. And so from here, all the way till we finish the gospel, we will see these religious leaders do everything they can to trap Jesus or to back him into a corner, and that's never a good thing, right? Like if you're wrestling with God this season, Thank you for his patience with you, right? Like that's, I mean, I pray that he just breaks a hit, but he loves you. And and so we're going to start in John chapter 7, verse 53, and we're going to read to verse 2. It says this, so everyone went to his home. Verse 1 says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early, oh, went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again into the temple And all the people were coming to him. And he sat down and began to teach them. And so there are two things in this verse that I want us to see about Jesus. And the first thing I wanted to point out is that Jesus was consistent. He was consistent. And not just in his life, but in his relationship. You see, when Jesus was in Jerusalem, his usual custom after teaching was he would go and spend the night at the mount on a hill, at night on a hill on the Mount of Olives. And on the foot of the mountain, on the west bank, never been there, is where the Garden of Gethsemane was. Gethsemane. As Luke would say in his gospel, after Jesus was done teaching, Luke 23, after he was done teaching, he would go off by himself to go and pray and to spend time with the Father. Jesus 
always did this. So frequently did Jesus do this that even Judas knew where to find him at the time of his betrayal. He was frequent. And so the first thing I want us to remember is this, is that God wants to have constant communion with you frequently. Not just on Sunday morning, not just on Wednesday night, but every single day. This is what you have with him is a relationship. The Bible even calls this a marriage. But what kind of marriage would this be if I never came home? What kind of marriage would this be if I never showed up? Although I can be legally married to my wife, if I never spent time with her, then how would I know what she likes? How would I know what she wants? How would I know anything about her? You see, having a real relationship with anyone is about spending time frequently. And the second thing I want us to see about Jesus is that he is available. You see, Jesus would go early in the morning into the temple and teach. And he would teach those who wanted to be, te- uh, who wanted to be taught. It says here that people would gather around Jesus just to hear him speak. And so the question for us tonight isn't how often do you spend time with Jesus? I don't want to know. The question for us tonight is do you have a desire to hear from him? You know, oftentimes people come to Jesus to get something from him, but rarely ever just to be with him. And I catch myself doing this, and I'm going to be honest with you. I catch myself doing this all the time. Because as often as I read the word of God, I'm reading the word to prepare a message. And when I don't have a message, I'm not as intent. I'm not as intent, I'm not as present when I do spend that time. I want us to remember this. I think one of the dangers of Christianity is where we believe that God sees us as more useful than wanted. I'm going to say that one more time. One of the dangers of Christianity is where we believe to see God, that God sees us as more useful than wanted. I say this all the time, what God wants most from you is you. What God wants most from you is not your skills, it's not your talents, it's not your gifts. What he wants most from you is you. Amen? That's what a relationship looks like. The time that we spend with God is not something is not to get something from him. The time that we spend with him is to get him. And the word of God is what reminds us of his constant presence and grace in our lives day after day after day. It's so that we are aware of his presence. Amen? And that's what we're about to see. Let's continue reading. And we're going to read the rest of the chapter and that's it. Verse 3 says this, The scribes and the Pharisees, then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. And having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. And now the law, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? They were saying this, testing him, so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and and with his finger wrote on the ground. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up. And said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone. 
and the woman where she was in the center and where and where she was in the center of the court straightening up Jesus said to her woman where are they did no one condemn you she said no one lord and Jesus said i do not condemn you either go from now and sin no more the first thing i want us to see in this story and it's just going to be quick there are three players in this story we see Jesus we see a woman and her accusers. It begins with these religious leaders bringing this woman to Jesus because she's committed adultery. And we know that they didn't bring her there because they cared about doing what's right. See, they brought her there to trap Jesus. You see, it says in the law of Moses that those who were caught in adultery would be stoned to death. They knew that Jesus was compassionate. He was compassionate towards the weak, and the sinful, and they would try to use that against him. And so if he says to them, let her go, this would what happened. He would be breaking the law of Moses because the law says to stone her. But if he said to stone her, he would be breaking the Roman law. You see, the Roman law didn't allow anyone to carry out capital punishment without their permission. And so here we have Jesus in the face of pressure with a choice to make. But instead of answering them, he begins, to write, uh, he begins to write on the ground. I don't know what he wrote. A lot of people believe that he, there's something, I'm not going to go there, the Bible doesn't say anything. He started to write on the ground. You see, it says in verse 7, they persisted in asking him. If you look back at verse 7, it says they persisted in asking him. It's almost as if they were saying, we got him. Finally. But even they weren't following the law of Moses on this day. If you know your Old Testament, the law required both people to be present when caught. But for some reason, it's just the woman. You see, for all we know, these religious leaders could have set up this whole thing. They could have fabricated the whole thing. And as Jacobelian would say, they would mistake his silence for weakness. I love that. They would mistake his silence for weakness. Oftentimes, God's silence in our lives doesn't mean he's excusing anything. I'm going to say that one more time. Oftentimes, God's silence in our lives doesn't mean he's excusing anything. Be careful. Be careful. Don't mistake God's silence for his patience. He is patient with you. And he is patient with us. And then Jesus says to them in verse 7, He who is without sin among you, this is what he answers them, let him throw the first stone at her. You know, I love this answer because what Jesus does is redirect everyone's attention on themselves. You see, self-righteousness can creep into all our lives. That's the thought that I had last week and I totally didn't remember. But self-righteousness, pride, can creep into all of our hearts at any given moment. In fact, one of the indicators is we begin to compare ourselves to other people. You see, what we do is we come here, we end up looking around the room to see if anybody is doing worse than us. Why? We do this because it makes us feel better about what's going on in our lives. It makes us feel better about our sin. You see, over time, we start to minimize our sin, and guess what happens? We rob ourselves from God's grace. We rob ourselves from ever experiencing God's grace. This is why self-righteous people show so much contempt towards one another rather than love. Guys, it's hard to give something that you've never experienced. 
And now it was Jesus and this woman. You see, more often than not, the sin in our lives, sin will always cause shame and guilt. It's just how it is. This is what happened to Adam and Eve. That's why they ran from God. They hid from him. Sowing the fig leaves, they'll try to do everything they can to make things better or to try to fix it or to try to hide it. And I'm pretty sure that this was what the woman was feeling. And I just want to say that we can come here week after week after week after week after week and pretend like everything is okay. You see, it is much easier to hear God's word, walk away like these Pharisees and go home than to be in the middle of the court like this woman. Oftentimes it's hard, oftentimes it's embarrassing, and it hurts. But this woman who was being condemned, who was being shamed and judged, would now experience mercy, grace, and forgiveness. It was here where she was exposed for her sin, but it was here where she met her Savior. Just a minute ago, this woman was facing death. That's what the law says. She was facing death because of her sin, but it would be Jesus to take that from her. In a few months, these same religious leaders would arrest Jesus falsely and put him on trial. But as this guilty woman was pardoned from her punishment on this day, Jesus, who was innocent and blameless, would not be. You see, what would happen is that he would take the sins of this woman and the rest of the world's, yours and mine, and he would go to the cross. If we remember anything tonight, I pray we remember this, we were pardoned because Jesus was not. Amen? Amen.